Hey, it's Dr. Joyelle, and welcome to Women's Health Pearl Show, where we educate and empower women to own their health. We also talk about real issues that don't get enough attention. Today, we are speaking up for all the vaginas out there. There are millions of women who are suffering from vaginal benign vaginal infections, and they are really led to seeking out remedies that claim to detox your vagina. Detox the vagina? Vaginal steaming? What is that? And does it really work? So I brought on another expert, Dr. Salika Michelle. She is a board certified OBGYN who's been in practice for over 20 years. She's a speaker and also a best-selling author of Wise Teens, which is a faith-based book that educates teen girls about their bodies and their temples. Welcome, Dr. Salika. Glad to be here. Excited about this discussion. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we are going to jump right into it and talk about these yoni pearls. Now, what have you heard or what have patients told you about these yoni pearls? So I think today a lot of women are really looking for holistic remedies for vaginal health, essentially. And a lot of them want to avoid the prescription medications and things that I could potentially offer. So they're looking for herbal remedies um, or some uh, long-term uh, traditional remedies as well. And Yoni Pearls is one of them. Uh, what do you think about them? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, when we when we hear about it, I kind of give this a side eye, right? It's like yeah. detoxing the vagina, really? Because we, you know, as QINs, we always say that the vagina is a self-cleaning oven. <laughs> so do you really need to detox your vagina? Exactly. And it's it's a lot, what you like, it's a lot of hype about, you know, detoxing the vagina, steam of the vagina, and you know, it doesn't really work in, in that regard. Because physiologically to us, like we think of the vagina has it, it already has what it needs to cleanse itself. So right. what do you say to women who want to either, you know, seek out using these well, let, let's talk about this first, yoni pearls. Like what exactly what exactly have you found that's in it that they say that could potentially detox the vagina? So it's interesting. Uh, yoni pearls have actually been out um, to, for, to be used for a couple of different reasons. One, to de detox the vagina, but there are actually some people who are uh, advertising that it can open fallopian tubes for fertility. It can help remove uh, ovarian cysts. It can uh, remove uh, um, solid uh, fibroids, which are benign. And there really aren't any studies that have proven that. Uh, yoni pearls are essentially uh, herbs, a variety of herbs that are in, um, in uh, like a round, a round uh, object and it's encased in um, almost like a, not a fabric, but another type of material, also herbal made. And it goes in the vagina. It has a string that hangs out. And it basically sits there and releases these herbs in the vagina, allegedly to detox the, the vagina. Um, when we had looked at some images of uh, things that some of these companies were claiming, we just found that they were completely false. And the things that they were claiming in particular was that when the yoni pearls are used, when they actually come out, um, they are, are attributing the, the outer casing to be products 
sloughing from the inside of the uterus or products that are sloughing from the inside of the tubes. And that is not the case. That is not the case. So the Yoni Pearls, uh, in theory, are designed to um, be an herbal remedy to sit in the vagina to uh, help balance the, um, the milieu uh, that's in the, in the vagina, the good bacteria, the bad bacteria, and so forth. But there really isn't a lot of literature out there to prove that. And there definitely isn't any literature that shows that it can uh, remove fibroids and remove um, ovarian cysts because they, the, the object in, in the vagina has no attachment to ovarian cysts, has no attachments to, to fallopian tubes. So we want to make sure that our ladies are using uh, remedies that are not just safe, but actually are effective. Right. And not just wasting your money. Great points. Great points. Because they, you know, some of these companies are saying, you know, you put these pearls in your vagina, you leave it anywhere from 24 to 72 hours. And, you know, to me, that that's a pretty long time to have something sitting in your vagina. Right. So, you know, you talked about the, you know, the pictures that we see when women say they use these pearls and have this, you know, casing or this discharge that comes out and they claim that could potentially be connected to an ovarian cyst or a fibroid. What really could be what your vagina would normally do with something foreign in the vagina is to, you know, cleanse out what that what that foreign object is. So what they're seeing in that discharge um, after using these pearls is, you know, a reaction to what what the what's in that pearl, like the, the herbs, or even causing an infection. So when you think about, you know, can you think about complications that could potentially happen when someone would actually use these pearls? So I've actually had a patient who used them and the actual casing ruptured and she was not able to remove the yoni pearl from her vagina. So she came into the office to have it done. And if you can think of, um, if you've ever had a cup of tea and you put the herbs into a ball and dip that into the tea, that ball is supposed to keep all of those herbs inside the um, inside of that device so that the herbs don't necessarily spill into the water. So in this case, the herbs spilled into the vagina and it wasn't something that she could remove on herself uh, by herself. And um, it had been in there for a while. So it did cause an infection because she wasn't able to use the string that was originally attached to remove it. Um, so I had to do that. So there are some potential downsides to, to the product, um, but I, I completely understand why women would want to use it. I completely get it. But like we talked about, the vagina is a self-cleaning oven. So if you're noticing that the vagina is not what it needs to be or what it should be, if there's an odor or discharge, then there, then there are ways that we can actually uh, effectively treat that. Now, granted, most of the times they are prescription medications, um, but sometimes they are a little bit safer and more effective than uh, some of the, the herbal remedies, particularly the benign infections like bacterial vaginosis and yeast infections, which are very different. Great point. So let's talk about, jump into vaginal steaming, bee steaming, yoni steaming, Essentially, women are going into, you know, various spas and they actually sit on a bowl of hot water um, that essentially has a steam that's coming up to the vagina that's in this, this water is infused with different types of herbs. And I know you and myself have had many patients who come into the office asking if this is a good idea. 
um, the benefits, what they're claiming that the bee steaming would do is help with fertility, would help with fibroids, menstrual problems like pain and bloating. So what are, you, what are your thoughts about that? So, and we, we've had this discussion before, just trying to walk through the mechanics of vaginal steaming. I think in theory, women feel that um, the process of sitting over this bowl of these um, luscious herbs that are heated and this steam that comes up, um, it's just part of self-care. But the process of that actual steam entering the vagina and getting into the uterus and out the tubes and so forth, it just anatomically just can't happen because the vagina is not an open tunnel, essentially. The, the, the walls of the vagina essentially are touching. So you're, you're essentially steaming pretty much the outside of, of the genitals, essentially. And even if you open up the vagina a little bit, that steam is not going to access the, the cervix and the uterus and so forth, unless you have a severe uterine prolapse and your cervix just happens to be at the opening of your vagina. Um, so the process of steaming and that affecting fertility really, um, it, it, it makes us think, it makes us wonder how accurate that can be. So I, we also talked about that potentially some of these herbs, the steam may perhaps be getting absorbed um, in the tissue of, of the external uh, genitalia, but them actually physically accessing the cervix and the uterus and helping directly with menstrual cycles and cramping and so forth really is not physically possible. Great points. And also just thinking about, you know, they actually, this has been, do, been done over thousands of years in different countries, like Asian countries, African countries. And a lot of times when back in the day, when this was recommended, it was more so after, after birth. So the basically sitting on something warm, you know, steaming to essentially stimulate the blood external parts, the, the vulva, and it, during that healing process after having, you know, a, a birth. And I can, you know, see that as a potential benefit in regards to increasing the blood flow, helping with relaxation and things like that. But like you said, just physically in regards to helping with um, fertility and fibroids and, and things like that, it's just not, you know, does it make physical, physio physiological sense? Right, right. Now, we also talked about the fact that some women are waiting until that, that water actually cools and are using that water to flush the vagina almost like a douche and uh, trying to uh, co correlate those herbs and effects on menstrual cycles. And once again, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of data on that. Uh, but we do know that uh, repeated douching does throw the normal balance of the bacteria and yeast and everything off in, in the vagina, which is why douching itself is not recommended. Um, but I, I can definitely understand um, the, the, the goal of just wanting to be clean, essentially. Uh, but the vagina usually should be clean. And if it's not, then we have to figure out why that is. Good points. And that would kind of lead us into what is normal vaginal discharge? Because I think a lot of times women are not really, or even, you know, younger women, young teens, they're not really aware of what is considered to be normal physiological discharge. 
versus an abnormal discharge. So when you have someone who come in, who comes into the office, you know, um, they're complaining about a discharge that they're that's happening every day. Like, what is this? Why is this happening? What do right. you say to those ladies? So then I, I want to get more details about that discharge. So does it have a color? Uh, does it have a texture to it? Is it is it a cottage cheese type discharge or is it a smooth kind of creamy discharge? Does it have an odor? Uh, and is it all the time or is it certain times in your cycle or is it something that happens after sex? So once we get those details, then we can kind of um, delve into potential causes of the, the discharge essentially. Great. Right. Because we have to, you know, have to, they have to know what normal is as opposed to, you know, so they can be able to be aware of what's abnormal. And right. when they have this abnormal discharge, what they need to do is, you know, have that information, like you said, the color, the odor, the consistency, and, right. you know, and to figure out, you know, what they actually need to do in regards to, you know, whether it's prescription versus if they want to try something natural. Um, I think that's important. I think, the, like you said, mentioned before with the douching, a lot of women just go straight to just douching and think that will actually solve their problem. We can actually can make it worse because it's, you know, essentially um, making the vaginal environment out of balance because it already has is a bacteria that kind of controls that environment. When you douche, that actually throws that bacteria, you know, flushes that good bacteria out and they basically have this repetitive cycle of having these infections recurring. Exactly, exactly. So, and the well, essentially a normal discharge would be something that is pretty white, very thin, very creamy, doesn't have an odor, uh, is not overwhelming, it's not soaking a panty liner. Uh, there's also the traditional uh, discharge that women get when they're ovulating, which is more of a kind of um, an egg white mucusy type of discharge uh, during ovulation. Uh, I have some patients that come in and say, you know, I, I get this discharge every once in a while when I'm ovulating, but they're on birth control, right? So, but we know that when you're on a contraception other than condoms, if you're on a hormonal contraception, you're not you're not ovulating unless to have an IUD that doesn't have any hormones. Uh, so if we hear about those recurrent types of discharge, that also um, warrants evaluation. Great points. And we also want to put out there that, you know, these are benign infections. And because we have a lot of patients who come in like, you know, do I need to have my partner treated? So what do you say to those patients in regards to, you know, especially those patients who have recurring infections? Do, do you explain to them that this is not a sexually transmitted disease? Absolutely, absolutely. So yeast infections are not sexually transmitted. Uh, sometimes they can be associated with, with diet, they can be associated um, with hormones, um, medications, antibiotics. Uh, a lot of things can, can cause that. Our diabet my diabetic patients have more frequent um, yeast infections as well. Bacterial vaginosis tends to have um, an occurrence with um, Patients also who have uh, been using antibiotics uh, have been sexually active. Um, and I also find that patients who potentially have what we call recurrent infections, particularly recurrent bacterial vaginosis, then I try to delve in uh, what their partner is using. Because with the recurrence of the bacterial vaginosis, we're trying to figure out what's getting in there to throw that balance off, to allow that bad bacteria to overgrow. So I've found, honestly, that 
sometimes the soaps and things that the partners are using can affect the patient's um, vaginal health. So we'll talk about what kind of soaps they're using, body washes and so forth, and trying to get them to switch to something that rinses clean. Uh, and those tend to not, not to be the heavily fragrant laden um, soaps. So um, if we can get the partners to switch to something that is um, that has less uh, deodorants, that less fragrances, then a lot of the time the recurrent vaginal infections uh, for my patients tend to resolve. So having that open dialogue with your provider, with the concerns that you're having, uh, and just trying to um, put all the pieces of the puzzle together uh, will hopefully provide some uh, consistent, long-lasting relief of whatever um, issues are happening, happening abnormally in the vagina. Great points, and especially about the what the partner, because a lot of women don't think about that. Like, what is your partner using? That can make make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And I also, what I also talk about is stress. Their stress level. Like, if you're a high stress person, that can actually affect your immune system, and that doesn't allow you to clear the infection like you're supposed to. So I think stress. You know, like you said, mentioned other things in regard to what they're using product wise, stress, mm -hmm. diet, things like that, also plays a big part. Exactly. Exactly. Wholeheartedly agree. So, Dr. Salika, if someone, if a patient thinking about vaginal steaming, yoni pearls, how would you direct them in regards to if they should do it or not? I would say if you're 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 having a long-term concern that has really got you thinking about something like those products, have a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with your provider so that we can really figure out. Um, if there is something else that perhaps we can help with, with a prescribed medication, or uh, if we can uh, kind of walk you through the process or the indications for the vaginal steaming. Again, vaginal steaming is not for necessarily um, for fibroids and clearing ovarian cysts and clearing the tubes, fertility per se, although that's how it's advertised. So if there is a fertility concern, we can help you with those with those issues. Thank you, Dr. Salika, for coming on to the Women's Health Pearl Show. So glad to be here. This has been a great discussion, and I hope the listeners have learned something new, and I'm looking forward to coming back for, for additional discussions. Yes, we'll definitely have you back to come on and talk about vaginal, just vaginal dryness. So until next time, this is Dr. JL, where we have real talk about real women's issues. Thank mm -hmm. you.